Hello, market participants. Welcome to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring to your attention three things that we think are relevant to credit markets that you should know about. So let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, all things considered, we are seeing remarkably solid corporate earnings performance in the U.S. Two, this was an upbeat week for economic data, and we hate to rain on this parade, but we've got a sobering data point that needs to be in the mix. And three, market structure for corporate lending has changed, and it's bondholder friendly. All right, let's dig into our three things a bit, starting with a fourth quarter earnings update. Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, this has not been an easy year for many firms to navigate. The catastrophic shock of lockdown in the spring, spasmodic reopenings over the course of the year, three waves of infection, each one worse than the previous, has tested every firm. Yet here we are, mostly through fourth quarter earnings, and the results are remarkably strong and consistently strong, all things considered, excluding those sectors, of course, that continue to be directly impacted. And topping it off, a positive skew of forward guidance. Here are some facts. Looking at the S&P 500 coming into the fourth quarter, the consensus reported on Bloomberg was looking for a year-over-year contraction in earnings of 8.8% on a revenue drop of 1%. Thus far, with 370 firms reporting, or 74%, we are on track to post 4.8% growth in earnings on a revenue boost of 2.2%. And some 81% of firms reporting have beaten their estimates, and every sector is performing better than expectations. And positive earnings guidance is running double that of negative guidance. Although the improvement has been broadly based, standout results have come out of materials, with earnings up 22% versus an expectation of just 6% coming into the quarter. Consumer discretionary, reporting a 6% earnings gain versus an expectation of a 17% contraction coming in. Ford and Amazon leading the way there. Financials, showing a 21% gain in earnings against expectations of an 8% downdraft. Big trading results from Goldman Sachs and Citigroup and reassuring results at a big consumer lender, Capital One, showing noteworthy developments there. And finally, communications showing a 12% gain versus expectations of an 8% decrease on much better than expected results out of Disney, News Corp, and Alphabet. Now, it's not all upbeat, of course. Not surprisingly, industrials continue to show the wounds of the pandemic era, with earnings down 31% year over year and only a touch better than the down 33% estimate coming into the quarter. And energy continues to lose money overall, although the outlook there has brightened, of course, with the price of oil topping $60 a barrel. For 2021, estimates are calling for a 25% year-over-year growth on a 9% increase in revenue. Now, if we compare to 2019, probably more realistic, analysts are forecasting earnings growth of 8.1% on a 6.6% revenue increase. All things considered, pretty good expected performance. All right, let's move on to our second thing. I've had a rash of strong economic data this week. Is it as positive as it looks? This week, New York Fed's Empire State Manufacturing Survey, retail sales, and industrial production all handily beat the estimates. The Empire State Manufacturing Survey rose 9 points to 12.1, 
blowing away the estimate of 6 and climbing to its highest level since July. Remember, figures above zero indicate expansion. Firms remain optimistic that conditions would improve over the next six months, and capital spending has expanded. January industrial production more than doubled the consensus view, jumping 0.9% versus the estimate of 0.4%, a fourth straight monthly advance keeping a bit of wind in the sails of American factories. The index is now just 1.9% below pre-pandemic level, benefiting from a pickup in demand as some of the more ominous economic clouds are lifting. Oil and gas well drilling picked up 11% off of its moribund levels as energy prices rise. And it also suggests that fears of supply chain disruption is not showing up as a material drag on output, notwithstanding the high-profile shortage of semiconductors that is slowing auto production. Overall capacity utilization continues to claw back, reaching 76%, still below the pre-pandemic high of nearly 80%, but close to the 10-year average. And finally, the big jump, 5.3% in retail sales in January over December's figure, well above the 1.1% consensus estimate, and well above, for that matter, the highest estimate, 4.1%, in the consensus estimate. The latest figure ended a three-month slide in retail sales, and every category showed improvement, especially those related to home life. The catalyst is not hard to figure out. Stimulus. $600 checks distributed in early January, necessitated by the running down of savings built up from the previous round of stimulus, and fear from the third wave of viral infections. By the way, sales are now 6.4% higher than the pre-pandemic level, an all-time high. All of this seemed to feed into the Atlantic Fed's GDP Now forecast. Now, wait a minute. GDP Now is not a forecast. It is, quote, a running estimate of real GDP growth based on available economic data for the current measured quarter, unquote. There are no subjective adjustments made to this model-driven output. But it is an interesting metric nonetheless. And in any event, GDP Now estimates Q1 real GDP to be 9.5%. That's the growth rate versus the Bloomberg consensus forecast of just 3.3%, where the highest forecast in that survey is 5.6%. Fasten your seatbelts. Well, maybe not so fast. Thursday's jobless claims number rose to 861,000, along with a 55,000 upward revision to the previous week. The latest release is a reminder that the labor market remains challenged to adapt as quickly as much of the overall economy has to the pandemic and to the changes that post-pandemic life will bring. We wrote about this back in October. You can find it on our website, kbra.com. Type in COVID-19's impact on jobs and you'll find it. Now, in a similar vein, we were struck by a Pew Research Center survey that came out February 10th that found that about half of unemployed adults that is currently unemployed, furloughed, or temporarily laid off and looking for a job, half are pessimistic about their ability to find a job in the future. Two-thirds have considered changing their occupation or field of work, and many say they've experienced more emotional or mental health issues since they've been out of work. Now, this is the scarring that we've warned about. We simply are not going to flip a switch, in our opinion, and re-employ all of those displaced for far longer than anyone expected a year ago. It will be a drag on the economy. All right, on to our third thing in credit this week. 
changing market structure of corporate lending. Now, we noticed this week that Golub Capital, BDC, issued $400 million of a long five-year at 200 basis points over, 40 basis points tighter than the initial price talk. Now, while its pricing is indicative of investor enthusiasm for what constitute these days as a yieldy paper, we were reminded about just how the world of corporate lending has changed, in particular the role of the banks and the role of Golub Capital. Now, most market participants believe the banks still play a critical role in mid-sized firm and larger corporate finance. Regulators watch after them closely and pester them with guidance that pushes them out of what somebody deems risky lending, all in an effort to preserve them as the backbone of the financial system. The banks need to be a source of strength to the economy, the thinking goes, especially in a downturn because if they are weak, as was the case in the global financial crisis, their ills will create credit crunch across the economy, making a greater mess of it all and deepening a recession. So post the GFC, regulators made it more difficult for banks to aggressively lend on commercial real estate and highly levered corporates. Their role, it seems, increasingly is to provide corporate loans wherever regulators will let them, but that increasingly is a crowded space, be it to smaller businesses and higher quality bankable credits across the middle and large corporate market. Problem is, the capital markets have been a more viable alternative, more economic alternative, for large corporates for some time now. And now, the middle market is facing competition, especially in the levered space from non-banks like Golub Capital, either directly through a fund or a BDC or a CLO. So what's left for the banks? Well, not much. We bring this up because credit crunch still happens, as it did back in February and March, before the Fed stepped up and stepped in to backstop the corporate market. Sure, the banks were there to provide emergency financing to those corporates that drew down their bank lines. But once the Fed stepped in with the promise of buying, if necessary, corporate debt in the primary and secondary markets, it took the heat off the banks. And the primary lender to corporates, the capital markets, stepped in to provide the most wide open, too wide open, time will tell, but the most wide open financing source we've ever seen. So has the prospect of credit crunch disappeared under the Fed's new playbook? Well, not entirely. Look at China as an example of how state-sponsored lending can become problematic, but it has certainly diminished. And it will be interesting to see how the third leg of the financial system's stool, the shadow banks, including Golub Capital, will fare in a more traditional downturn. In one sense, capital is more permanent today than it was with the banks in the past, or with the capital markets, where significantly reduced market-making and the warehousing of risk that goes with it serves to dampen volatility, given that investors simply cannot move large-sized risk to the extent they used to be able to. Now, all of this gives us confidence that financial conditions will remain favorable through the pandemic period. After that, when the bill comes due and the role of the Fed will be debated, we'll see. But for now, this seems to be working. So there you have it. Three things in credit this week. One, remarkably solid corporate earnings performance in the U.S. Two, don't lose sight of labor market headwinds in the recovery story. And three, market structure for corporate lending has changed and it's bondholder friendly. Now, thanks for listening. As always, let us know what you think. And don't forget to visit KBRA.com and sign up for our research. It's free. Just register. See you next week.